Hey, Coaching Falcons fans, this is Coach Jay. The next couple of episodes that I'm going to share with you, they may be a little bit shorter. However, I'm going to talk about uh, stories from the gridiron. These are things that happened while I was on the field, either coaching or in the stands or just being around football in general. So several little stories I want to share with you. I hope you enjoy. All right. Today's first topic I want to talk about what I called the Saturday morning drug deal. It actually wasn't a drug deal, but it seemed like there was a drug deal going on. And what I'm trying to infer to is the fact that many years ago, we used to have to trade films with the opposing team so that we can scout their offenses and defenses so that we can come up with a plan to defeat them. In today's world, coaches don't have to do very much except sit at their desk, sit at home, and the film that they get from the opponent, it just goes right to their computer or goes to an inbox, and they have a a software called Huddle that the coaches use in order to scout the opposing teams. Today, it's really simple. All you do is sit your behind down and open up your email, and boom, you have everything uh, on your opponent that they that they film. Pretty simple. Many years ago, let's go back to when I was in high school. Our coaches had to film the games, then convert the film, take it to a a film processor, convert it, and then show us these 8-millimeter films when we had a chance on Saturdays morning or Monday afternoons. When I started coaching, we had VHS film. And VHS at the time, that was the top of the line stuff. That was high tech back then. However, there's a couple things that had to get done. Number one, you usually traded two films. The film from the night before and the film the previous week so that you can get tendencies of your opponents. And usually you gave them the films on Saturday morning And then on Friday night, prior to the game, you gave the films back to the original owners of the film. So we got our films back. We gave our opponents' films back to them. The thing that's really shaky about this is that usually coaches had to meet the other coach or the person that the coach wanted to trade films someplace probably halfway between uh, the schools that were competing that next week. So, for example, if we were going to play Martinsville or we were going to play Bloomington uh, South, per se, then we would meet halfway like at Martinsville. And so the thing that looks shady, that kind of makes it look like it's a drug deal, is that think of somebody pulling up early in the morning, about 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning, and just sitting in their car. 
And then a few minutes later, another car shows up, parks by the other car, or they go inside of a McDonald's or Arby's or someplace like that, and they're sitting down, and then one person hands over a box, a couple boxes, the other person hands over a couple boxes, and they have a small conversation, and then they kind of leave. For the most part, in today's world, if you looked at that, you would think that something shady was going on. I mean, these two guys show up, they pass something, and they give something back, and then you don't really know if that's really on the up and up, because it looks kind of odd, really looks shady. And I don't know how many times I felt like in trading those films that somebody's looking at me, like, especially, you know, what's this black guy doing hanging out in Martinsville for the first thing, and then he's giving something to this other guy, and they talk for a little bit, or they don't get out of their cars, and they pass something back and forth. It looks real shady. So I'm surprised that the entire time that we did this, that no one was arrested or cops didn't feel like there was something really bad going on there. So, But that was back in the day. Today is totally different. I mean, coaches have it made. Hell, we, we would get the film once we, once we got back to the uh, school, got back to Perry, and that may get back there at, you know, 8 o'clock. And then we had to make copies of the film. I had to make probably four or five copies of the film so that the offensive coordinator would get a film, Coach Potter would get a film, I would get a film, We normally made a film for the quarterback. I normally made a film for the uh, defensive uh, caller so that they all would have film by that that afternoon or Sunday or even Monday, depending on how busy we were. And there were times in which you have to think about it. Immediately after the football game on Friday night, we had to copy – the film from that game. So if the game ended at 10 o'clock or 1030 on a, on a long game, then we would have to copy the film from that night. And it may be two hours. It may be two and a half hours. So normally we would get finished about 1130, maybe midnight. And then six o'clock in the morning or seven o'clock in the morning, we're meeting somebody to trade films. It was a pain in the behind, but that was the technology as it is right now. Uh, With that, with scouting, you had to break down the film. And sometimes the film that you got was different. There There were a few teams that you would look at the film and you suddenly you would see it was first, and 10, and the next thing you would see is that it's first and 10, and the ball had moved 40 yards. Well, how in the hell did that happen? Are they skipping part of that? Did something go wrong with the camera? 
there are a couple of teams, I'm not going to mention any names, on the west side of Indianapolis, the southwest side of Indianapolis. Uh, there were times that they would cut out specific plays that we couldn't see. You know, special trick play or something like that. They would cut that out. That's why I always like to have a scout to go to the games, write down all the pass patterns, because on film you can't see all the routes that the receivers are doing. So my scouts would write down all the receivers, and I would match that up with the film. And if the film didn't match up with the scouts, what the scouts had, somebody's in the wrong. Okay, either the scouts didn't write it down or the scouts could have left early and this happened towards the end of the game or the other team is just not showing us specific films or specific plays and therefore, hell, they're trying to cheat. So the whole process starts early Saturday morning and then once we get to the game, prior to the game, then we bring the film that we got from our opponents. We give their film back to them. They give our films back to us. It's usually two films, uh, the, the night of the night before and the week before, and then we go on our merry way. But for the most part, that first part of it is kind of shaky that people can think that you're trying to do something illegal. All right, continuing with our scouting Theme for this evening. The next story deals with um, an incident that happened. It's kind of a funny, it's a funny story, but it's kind of sad at the same time. This was uh, probably 2000, 2001, somewhere around there. It was, we were playing, going to be playing Southport and the sectional. And Southport was playing manual at manual high school and we went over myself coach potter coach wade mark booth and rick zimmerman we all went over to manual to scout them because southport was playing on friday night and we were playing the next saturday and i forget who we were playing i think we were playing northwest maybe and so we went over to watch them play. And so it was cold. It was rainy. The, the wind was blowing. And there were probably five people in the stands other than we coaches that went to scout. Now, the wind was blowing from west to east. And we sat, we decided to go up and sit with our backs to the press box because the wind was coming from the press box side. So the rain wasn't hitting us. You know, Southport was out there, Manuel was out there, and we were sitting there. And this lady, for some reason, there was nobody, literally there was nobody in the stand, maybe five people other than us. And hell, there weren't even cheerleaders on the sideline. It was that bad. It was it was pretty miserable. So we were sitting there with our backs against the scoreboard, and this lady starts to walk up the stands to where we were at. And so she slowly walks up the stairs. She's kind of taking her time. She had 
like a blanket on the, over her arm. She had like a cooler with some hot juices or something in it. I don't know. But she walked up and imagine we coaches. It was myself, Mark Booth, Rick Zimmerman, uh, Steve Wade, Coach Wade, and Coach Potter from, from left to right. This lady walks up and she stands in front of Mark Booth and says, you're in my seat. And so we're, we're, we're looking at one another. We're kind of puzzled. And she says it again. Yeah, you're in my seat. And Mark looks at me. I look at Mark and all the coaches start looking at one another. And Mark goes, excuse me. She goes, you're in my seat. He goes, ma'am, I don't, I don't understand what you're saying. She goes, this is my seat. What do you mean? She goes, well, this is where I sit so that my son can see that I'm at the game. And he's going to be, he's on the field playing for manual. And we, Mark looked at him and Mark looked at me and I said, I don't know. So Mark gets up and moves no one else moves, and Mark moves on the other side of me and sits down. The lady sits where Mark's sitting, right next to me, and then Mark looks at me and goes, to the back of the bus again. And so we started cracking up. Mark and I started cracking up because, you know, we know the reference of, you know, give me my seat, you know, Rosa Parks, get up, you know, black person, get up, let the white person sit in that seat. Well, here's what's ironic about this. My, the lady said, my son is number 38, and he was standing on the sideline. And the entire time of the game, it was raining, it was cold. Hell, it even got foggy. And number 38 never went into the damn game. He did not go into the game at all. We had to move because this lady had to have that seat. And there was literally nobody in the stands. That was one of those days you go, damn, did this really happen? But it did. But that's all part of gridiron football and the experiences we have with dealing with scouting. All right, coaching Falcons fans, my final story for this episode deals with uh, a group of young players. This is a JV story. This was around 2004. Myself and another coach, which I'm not going to call his name, he was kind of the head JV coach at the time. We were going to take uh, a JV group or reserve group up to uh, the northwest side of Indianapolis and play and play Pike. And as we're get our kids on the bus, get all the players all hunkered down and so on. And some of the the parents from the quarterback club had provided some, you know, snacks that the kids were going to eat a little bit before and something after after the game was over with. However, we got on the bus. Everything was cool. We headed out 
towards uh, 465. And then one of the coaches that was following us because he could not go to the game, he couldn't stay at the game that, that long and had to come back early, he drove and followed the bus up to Pike. Well, when the team, uh, the team bus got to uh, 465 and Thompson Road, getting ready to get on 465, he calls uh, and says, hey, somebody just threw a banana peel out of the bus. And normally in, in all major sports, when you ride with teenagers, young kids or whatnot, there's usually a coach in the front of the bus. There's usually a coach in the back, and there's usually a coach somewhere in the middle so that you can stop all the stupid stuff that goes on. Well, for some reason, I was talking to the other coach in front before I moved back there. And so at Thompson and 31, a banana peel goes flying out of the window. So he calls and we said, hey, you know, knock that stuff off. You know, there's not going to be any, anybody throwing any trash out of here or anything like that. So the other coach, who was the head JV coach, goes, I'm going to knock this stuff in the bud right now. So we get all the way up to Pike. And we get off the bus. And coach says, all right, put everything, take your shoulder pads off. Put everything over there on the benches, and I want you to line up on the goal line. And you're going to do pop-ups for every five yards to the 50-yard line. And they looked at one another. They looked at me, and I just kind of shook my head and said, it's not my call. It's on you guys. So, boom, here we go. Off they go. This is what you get for throwing bananas out of the windows. Five yards, boom, at the 10, at the 20. They down and pop back up, run in place. Go to the next five yards, down, pop back up. Go to the next to get to the 50, turn around, and he goes, hey, we're not done. You got to go back. So every five yards, there they go. Bam, boom. We had a game to play. The clock was running. The clocks had 15 minutes to play. I mean, 15 minutes before the game started. Down they went. They went all the way to the goal line and thought, okay, this is it. Nope, keep going. So we go back another 50 yards. Every five yards, boom. Clock is running to like, there's 10 minutes to go. Let's go again. Down they go. Pop. Coach, coach, you know we got a game to play. He goes, I don't care. Hit it. Down. Five minutes to go. Get all the way to the 50-yard line. He goes, all right, go get, your, go get your stuff on. You know, get you a, a quick shot of water. Kickoff team, you're up. And <laughs> I, I swear, we didn't pick up a ball. We didn't throw a ball. We didn't do any calisthenics. We didn't do any of that. Kickoff team went out, kicked the ball off. I called the defense. We played a hell of a half. They, they took a break at halftime. And at the end of the game, 
we ended up beating Pike, which was much more talented than we were. All right. We we beat them like 26 to 14. Unbelievable. And we never practiced a lick prior to the start of the game. And then they got on the bus, got back off the bus, and there wasn't not one piece of fruit, not one paper wrapper. There was nothing on that bus. That bus was super clean by the time that we finished, got back to Perry Meridian for that game. Those kids learned a lesson that you don't mess around and act a damn fool and throw stuff out of the windows. From that point on, there was no messing around on the bus prior to games. And I don't think, to my knowledge, that we ever told the athletic director, we ever told the head coach anything about that. Because I'm sure the head coach, the head coach we had at that time, he would have probably had a fit, you know, he would have, he probably had a fit. Okay. So we never said anything about it. The kids never said anything about it. They learned their lesson and we moved on. Hey, Falcon fans. I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. It was just a small sample of some things that, that normally go on behind the scenes that many parents and grandparents and people don't know that take place uh, off the field. So the next episode, I'll have some other interesting stories. This time, they'll be from the field. Thanks, and let's go, Falcons. We have come together to fight for victory. Best friends with one another. Two, two, five, one big family. Zero. So come on, mighty Falcons. Let's outside, join in on the fun. One. Our team three, is finally ready strong, to fight for number one. Cover one. Our team includes one, many three, things to help us through this fight. Guts one, cover one. Poise zero, to show one, us three, what is Tomahawk, right. Cover three. And if we don't do what is three, right, one, seven, we'll find out what is wrong. Our team will never give up. Our team will never give up. Our team will never give up. We've been fighting for too long.